Morning. How are we doing? Yeah, this morning we're uh, we're continuing our series uh, titled Gifted Unity. Um, I'm aware of the fact that we've just kind of went back into this series and it's a chance for us just to reconnect um, with all we've been looking at in 1 Corinthians. Um, If you were around last year, uh, you'll know that we've been thinking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and that was over last autumn uh, and winter. And today, we're going to continue on what is the final part uh, of the spiritual gift section in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. So we have two more sermons on this section in spiritual gifts uh, in 1 Corinthians this week and next week. Uh, and from that, uh, Paul moves on to a completely different subject or a series of completely different subjects, but they are very important subjects as we think about God's grace and God's love and the, the truth of the gospel. Uh, it was such an encouragement to hear what it is that TJ had to share uh, last week. Uh, and I don't want us to lose sight of what TJ shared. I don't want us to lose sight of the importance of love for you and I as we think about the subject uh, of spiritual gifts. And as we move back into what Paul uh, is continuing in terms of his train of thought from 12 uh, to 14, uh, the reality for each one of us is that we can only ever be faithful and fruitful in the spiritual gift of the spiritual gifts that God has given us if we are faithful and fruitful in this call to love. Uh, faithfulness and fruitfulness in this call to love is only ever possible as we rely upon his power, as we depend upon God day to day, and as we expect God to work in and through us. Uh, and all of this underlines so clearly what we read in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. So as we think about spiritual gifts, recognize the absolute necessity to love and recognize that we can only ever love in God's power. So we're enabled by God's spirit to love and that allows us to practice these gifts in a way that's pleasing to God, okay? Does that make sense, guys? We're all good. So 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and verses uh, 1 to 21. I'm reading from the CSB, Christian Standard Bible. The words are going to be up on the screen as well. So Paul writes this, and he's continuing on. This is something that TJ touched upon last week. He's continuing on what he just spoke about in chapter 13. He says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And straight away, straight away we see how the two go hand in hand. (laughs) Uh, I just heard myself there, that was strange. Love and spiritual gifts go hand in hand. Paul continues on in verse 1. He says, And especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, If they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognised? In fact, if a bugle makes an unclear sound, 
who'll prepare for battle. In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you may very well be given thanks, but the, per but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Uh, the title for our message this morning is Tongues and Prophecy Doctrinally. Tongues and Prophecy Doctrinally. How do we understand why it is that God has given us these gifts within the church? How do we understand the reasons, the purpose of these gifts? Next week, we're going to spend time thinking about tongues and prophecy practically. Tongues and prophecy practically. What are some of the, the safeguards that Paul puts in place in order that we might practice these gifts in a manner that is biblical? in a manner that pleases God, in a manner that glorifies Him. We're very much thinking about the why, why we use these gifts this week. And next week, we're going to focus on the how we use these gifts. And it's important as we look back at these gifts that we carry a working definition of what we mean when Paul refers to tongues and prophecy. And when it comes to a definition, we would probably want to hold on to Don Carson's very helpful explanation of tongues. So Don Carson says this, and it'll be up on the screen for us. He says, On balance then, the evidence favours the view that Paul thought the gift of tongues was a gift of real languages, that is, languages that were cognitive, whether of men or of angels. And when it comes to the gift of prophecy, what is helpful is Sam Storm's definition of this gift from his book, Practicing the Power. And Storm's says this, Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is a human report of a divine revelation. Very clear and very simple for us to understand and hopefully very helpful. Both gifts are given by God. Both gifts allow us to understand God and ourselves and our lives so much better. We have a, a stronger faith because of these gifts. Both of, us in, both of these gifts enable us to be built up in the faith and enable us to be on the mission that God has called us to. Uh, before I moved uh, into ministry, I used to work for HMRC, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, in the city centre just at Charing Cross. And I worked in the National Advice Service, and it sounds dead fancy, but my role was basically to give, to give advice about value-added tax, VAT. So in the UK, we have... It's going to sound really boring, but we have a general tax on goods and services, and that money goes directly to the government. But it's not as simple as, as, as everything has VAT. 
Uh, the VAT system is a complicated library of rules and regulations and stipulations around what is vatable and what is not vatable. And we went through like six to seven weeks of training before we started. And we had this massive library of books and journals explaining all of the different rules and regulations. And all of the different rules and regulations were different depending on the company or the person or a person's circumstances. And I had this, what I'm going to describe as a, a stressed out business guy uh, on the phone. And he was telling me that he was struggling to come to terms with whether or not he had to pay, he had to pay VAT on certain areas. And he's explained to me his various dilemmas. He had no idea what he had to pay. He wanted to pay what was owed, but he wasn't really sure. And as he's explaining all of this, um, it just felt like I was struggling to understand uh, what he was saying. So I wasn't really comprehending exactly what he was unpacking to me. And it was almost like this Charlie Brown teacher noise, kind of wow, 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 wow. And I was thinking to myself, I've got no idea what's going on here. I need help, God. And the issue was, I really wanted to know. I really had a, I had a strong desire to help this guy. And yet I couldn't really come to terms with what he was saying because there was just so much complexity to his dilemma. And it, it led to this massive long call. And I was directing him basically to all these various documents and just reading what the document said. And I was hoping that this was the answer that he was looking for. I was, I was fairly hopeful and confident that I'd managed to do it. Even though I didn't really understand what was going on, I was hopeful that I had provided the answer. And at the end of the call, I said to him, is that clear? And he said to me, yeah, it's been clear. And then he said, clear as mud, and then hung up the phone. And it hurt because I convinced myself that I knew what I was talking about. I actually thought, I, I know what I'm talking about here. And yet, he went along with it right up until the very end of the call when he said, clear as mud. I was of absolutely no help to him at all. It was important, it was essential rather, that I understood the complexities of his problem in order that I could then explain to him and in order that he could then understand and in order that he could then respond in the right way. Now hold on to this example for a moment when it comes to this bigger picture of understanding, whether it be a situation, whether it be a person's circumstances, whether it even be a WhatsApp message, whether it be a phone call or a problem in your job, there is no guarantee that we will ever come to terms with what is going on in all of these different scenarios. Understanding, therefore, is a gift. It's a gift from God. And when it happens, when we understand correctly, we're granted the opportunity to live our lives under the light of truth rather than the shadow of uncertainty and confusion. As Paul says to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 7, Paul says this, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And Paul says this in order that Timothy might then live a particular way. Once Timothy understands what Paul is saying, he can then respond in faith and in confidence in who God is and who God has called him to be. The Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard says this, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And the two go hand in hand. God grants us this gift of understanding 
so that we might then walk forward and act correctly in a manner that's truly worthy of the Lord. So what has, what I've said about understanding, what has this got to do with 1 Corinthians 14? Well, the truth is, it's got everything to do with 1 Corinthians 14. Because underneath Paul's continued unpacking of the spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecy in chapter 4, chapter 14, is this massive, massive emphasis on the need for all of us to understand in the midst of these gifts. Paul emphasizes understanding in this chapter for a very important reason. We understand in order that we can build up and strengthen because we have been built up and we have been strengthened. The end result for Paul, his ultimate hope for his church is that through the spiritual gifts, their faith and our faith are stronger and greater and we more and more become the people that God has called us to be. So it shows just how important it is that we understand in the context of church when it comes to our, our worship gatherings so that we can be built up and we become the people that God calls us to be. Now we've unpacked the spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecies in two separate sermons last year. They're on the website, pod, podcast, uh, YouTube. If you want to understand what we believe about these gifts then you can connect to those sermons. But as we look at these gifts again this morning, this is not me repeating these two sermons in half an hour or so. What I would say in light of what I shared a few months back is that it's my conviction from the clearest reading of God's word that these gifts are for today. These gifts are for today. And I would also say, much from what we read in this letter, like any spiritual gift that God has given is listed in scripture or found in the church, there is always a right way and a wrong way of practicing these gifts. Always a right way and a wrong way. Just like there's a, a right way or a wrong way in leading worship or teaching or serving, administration, and every gift there's a right way and a wrong way. And I would also want to say that as we become intent on using these gifts, they very quickly become a very important way in which we can grow in our walk and our witness together as a church family. The more and more we practice the spiritual gifts, the more and more we walk together as one in Christ, expectant of all that God is going to do in our midst. Now, I'm not naive this morning. I recognize that perhaps there's a broad spectrum of understanding and even experience when it comes to belief and practice of these gifts. To which I would say, do not repeat the same mistake of the Corinthians. Do not let the gifts of prophecy and tongues be an obstacle to our unity. Instead, let them be a bridge. Let them be a bridge to our unity. And I would even be as bold as to say this morning that if you use your understanding of these gifts, whether positive or negative, on tongues and or prophecy, in such a way that you start to cause division within the life of this church, then you need to repent. You need to change. This is not who we are as a church. We might have differences of opinion, but ultimately... We keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ and the truth of who he is and what he has done for us. You know, over the years, and some of you have probably experienced this, we've seen far too many churches split over these two particular gifts. And we want to be clear this morning, this is not the path that we intend to go down, and it never will be the path that we go down. God, in his perfect plan for the church, created these gifts so that our faith and our unity and our mission would be stronger 
as we seek to be a people who earnestly desire all of the gifts. So let's not miss out on this opportunity this morning to be one in Christ. As we come to terms with what God's word says, and as we start to practice and use the gifts that God has given each one of us for his glory and for our good. And that's not me saying, let's all think the same way about the gifts. I'm not saying that at all. That's me saying, let's make Jesus and the gospel the source of our unity. And God will work everything else out. This idea of gifted unity, gifted unity. It's emphasized time after time throughout this series. We see it in 1 Corinthians 12. And I would encourage you, if you're still not too sure about certain aspects of anything I've shared this morning, to go back and listen to that sermon series. So we covered it in September, October, and November last year. And what we discovered last year, and also throughout this 1 Corinthians series that we went through together, is that we so often learn from this particular early church, the church in Corinth, in terms of what we should not do. So we look at their example and we say, we're not going to do that. We see that throughout 1 Corinthians. That's just reality. We're not judging there. We just see their example and say, we're not going to live as they lived. And what we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 is that this was a church that was obsessed with the gift of tongues. Obsessed. And we know churches like that today, here in our city. The issue with the church in Corinth is that we were using tongues in such a way that it was having the opposite, of, the opposite effect of what it should have. It was causing division rather than creating unity within the life of the church. So God gave us all of the gifts in order to enhance our unity. All of us are united as one. And yet so often, like this example in Corinth and many other examples, we take the gifts and with our sinful hearts and sinful intentions, we use the gifts in such a way that it creates division. So Paul has to respond to this church and he responds in a couple of, a couple of ways. In light of the fact that this church is obsessed with tongues, first of all, he puts the gift of tongues in last place in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have your Bibles open, have a look at chapter 12. You'll see the list of gifts in verses 27 to 28 and verses 29 to 30 of chapter 12. And you'll see in both of those lists, tongues is last. And that's really important. It's quite subtle, but it's really important for us. Paul puts them last because he does not want the Corinthians to have an opinion on this gift any bigger than they currently have. So they've, they've magnified this gift, and yet Paul's put it last to make a really important point. In fact, in terms of Paul's big point in chapter 14 on the need to understand, it's the least important, not the most important of the gifts that he mentions. Because it, it has a potential to, to create confusion and uncertainty. It's a perfect gift from God, and yet we can use it in a way that can be damaging to the life of the church. And again, like any other gift. Secondly, in chapter 14, Paul decides, Paul Paul's responding here. So first of all, puts the gift last. And secondly, Paul decides to present us with an important comparison between tongues and prophecy. So you might even argue that Paul does this because the most important gift is prophecy and the least important gift is tongues. And so there's a greater contrast between the two. This is what Paul would imply in 1 Corinthians 14 based on the fact that we understand through prophecy in a way that we don't understand through tongues. We build one another up through prophecy in a way that we don't build one another up through tongues if done a certain way. 
And it's exactly what Paul highlights in verses 1 to 3 of our passage. So let's just take a moment to look at this section in verses 1 to 3. Paul says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in their tongue is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So Paul is basically saying here, I know you guys are the tongues church. You're all about tongues. First Baptist tongues. But pursue all of the gifts and make sure your greatest gift pursuit is prophecy. As you're loving God, as you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, as you pursue the gifts, make sure your greatest gift pursuit is prophecy. Why? Why does Paul say this? Well, Paul explains here in these verses, we understand through prophecy. When someone speaks a word, we understand it. We do not understand through tongues. And Paul even says in verse 3 that prophecy strengthens, encourages, and consoles in a way that tongues does not. In a way that tongues does not. And so his conclusion about the gifts is that prophecy is greater or the greatest and tongues is lesser or potentially the least of all the gifts. And in verses 4 to 5, Paul then moves on to speak about what it is that's happening within the heart and mind of a believer when they actively practice this gift. And understand that in chapter 14, Paul is speaking about the gift of tongues and prophecy in the context of a public gathering of worship. He's not, he's not speaking about this individual practice of this gift, which is a completely different set of rules. He's talking about the public gathering of worship. How should we act and behave? And this is something we're going to look at next week. He's always thinking about how these gifts impact the believers as we meet together in person. Not online, sorry guys, but in person. As we meet together in person, how should we practice these gifts? So verse 4. Paul says this, the person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. <clears throat> I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So Paul wants us to understand that the spiritual gift of tongues in and of itself is a gift that does build us up in our faith, but it builds us up personally. It builds us up and no one else. It should therefore not be a gift that we use in public unless there is an interpretation. Unless there is an interpretation. And by contrast, Paul says here that prophecy exists. Its primary function is to equip and to build up the church. That's the whole purpose of prophecy. So the reason why prophecy is greater than tongues is because of the corporate impact that the gift of prophecy has over tongues and building up, and equipping, and strengthening. So there's a lot in this, guys. But it's so important we understand this. It's so essential we understand this, because we can go on all sorts of different tangents, all sorts of different extremes when it comes to these gifts. And we want to be biblical. We want to center our lives and our practice of these gifts on the Word of God. That is our heart's desire. So prophecy has a significantly greater reach and impact and the spiritual health of the church, whether that be the church in Corinth or in Deniston or any other church. And we're just going to keep going, guys. So Paul then re-emphasizes this point and he uses the analogies of music and language in verses 6 to 8. 
So Paul says in verse 6, So now, brothers and sisters, if you come, sorry, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how I how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if a bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? You know, we will never connect with and be built up by a piece of music unless the rhythm and the melody of the music is crafted in a way that's understandable to our hearts and our minds. This is how music works. We have this, this connection to the rhythm and the melody, and we have a clearer understanding of, of what the music is all about, in some sense what it's communicating. And in the same way, if someone speaks in tongues without interpretation, how does that person benefit? How, do, how does that benefit the person hearing? It's just going to, going to be a collection of syllables and noises that do not permit the hearer to understand. Therefore, it will not permit the hearer to be built up and strengthened and equipped in the faith. We just can't miss this connection, guys. Understanding leads to building up and strengthening. And Paul continues in verses 9 to 12, and he uses the analogy of a foreign language and their ability to understand. He says in verse 9, in the same way, Unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of a language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. And Paul is again just re-emphasizing this point. Like understanding a human language, how can we build up and the communication of that language if we do not understand. And this is a very relevant example for us because we have an ESOL class every single, week, every single week and we teach English on a regular basis. Every Tuesday afternoon, we're blessed to provide our community with this class. And there's one woman who has been there the longest out of all of the students that we've had. Uh, she came to the class around five years ago and she knew no English at all, like, like nothing, like zero, absolutely no English. Now, a few weeks ago, I was looking back at photos that we have of, of the students in Esau over the last five years or so. Um, and I saw a photo of this woman back when she first started the class. And it was just really strange for me to, to see a photo of her five years ago compared to now. Because there was a fear in her eyes when, when she was in that class five years ago. She had a different complexion on her face. It looked like she was full of anxiety, feeling overwhelmed. Fast forward to today, and you'll see a totally different person. Today, she's, she's talking away in the class. She's always asking how James and Pauline are doing. She laughs. She listens. She's very engaging to the teachers and the pupils around her. So what's going on? What's happening? Well, what has happened over the space of five years? Why was she so full of fear in those initial days and now so connected and so full of peace and purpose? Well, over the five years, the more and more she was able to understand, the more and more she was built up. And the more and more she was built up, the more and more she could then be a blessing to other people. And so as with the spiritual gifts, 
as we understand what God is doing through the gifts, through different people within the life of the church, then more and more we discover that they exist to build us up in order that we can then build other people up. Then more and more there's a sense of unity and togetherness and purpose within the life of the church. And so important is building up ourselves and others in the church through encouraging, equipping, strengthening, consoling, is that this should be the only reason why we pursue any gift. The gifts are not primarily for ourselves. The gifts are for other people. So if we have a gift, we use it for the blessing and betterment of other people as an act of worship to God. All of which is the reason why the spiritual gift of prophecy is the most important and the spiritual gift of tongues is the least important. So as we've covered a lot of ground there, guys, but it's just, as I said, as I've already said, it is so important we understand this. Paul continues, and he re-emphasizes this point about the need for the church to both understand and be built up. And in verses 13 to 19, we read this, Therefore, a person who speaks in a tongue should pray, but he can interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the Spirit, and I also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Wow. Wow, when you see that, just take stock for a moment of what Paul says here. Five words of prophecy is better than 10,000 words of tongues in a public gathering like this. This highlights the potential for tongues to be ineffective when done poorly, but it also highlights the potential for prophecy to be powerful when done correctly, even if it's just five words. A few months back, we had the guy from CAP here, Christians Against Poverty, Chris, and he shared a picture that he really sensed, and he wasn't saying, verse say of the Lord. He just had this humility that said, I really sense God has given me this picture. This is a prophetic word that God had given him. And it was a picture of a really small torch with an unbelievably bright light. Some of you were here when he shared that. And he believed that this was a picture of Denison Baptist Church. As we move forward into our community and engage and connect with those in need, particularly through the ministry of CAP. Now, what was that word but in great encouragement? I've spoken to a number of people within the life of this church and they've separately spoken to me about that word and how encouraged and strengthened they were by that. And it was, it was maybe 10 to 15 words that he shared and yet it had power. And it gave us a, a building up, an expectation of what God would do within the life of this church. It's caused us as a church family to be built up and strengthened in our faith, expectant of what God is going to do. And so it's important that we understand what has been spoken to us as a church family. It's massive. As we think about any word, it has to build us up and equip us. And it's why Paul explicitly puts down a condition for any expression of tongues in a public setting. For it has to be understanding of what is spoken. And there has, for then, has to be communication of that to those 
who hear this gift being used. So whether it be one-on-one, a missional community, a worship setting, if this gift of tongues is to be used, it's not enough for the tongue speaker to pray with their spirit, to use this gift from their heart. They need to also pray for understanding so that they pray from their heart and yet they do understand the words being spoken because the spirit has given them interpretation to then afterwards communicate what has been spoken. Or it may be the case that someone else listening on has given them the ability to understand what has been spoken and they are able to interpret for them. Now there's a lot of questions around all of that. I don't have all of the answers this morning about how that would work out in a public setting like this. It might be better in a more personal or smaller setting. But I'm convinced from God's word that this is a gift for today and we have to be open and receptive to how God might apply this in our particular context. What is key is that a speaker and the hearers understand in order to be built up and strengthened. You know, I've probably said this about 15 times already, but it's just so important. Understanding leads to this building up and strengthening of the church so that our faith grows and we're better equipped. You know, fairly recently I was at a meeting of different churches and it was a prayer group um, and, and different people were represented uh, by each church. And there was a number of individuals in that group who were just openly praying in tongues without interpretation. Now, I wasn't angry that they were doing that, but nor was I encouraged because I didn't have a scooby what was being said. I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't in my own conscience, as Paul says here in this passage, I couldn't say amen to what they were saying in tongues because they didn't give an interpretation. They didn't even have someone else give an interpretation. They could have been speaking out Saturday's football scores for all I know, but I had no idea. It was unintelligible. Now, I'm sharing this example. I've been around Christians for a long time. I walked into that setting and I found that difficult and I've been in church for all of my life. But imagine a new person came into that situation. A non-believer earnestly wanting to connect with God and they had never heard of tongues before, never seen that in their life. And that, that was given, and what was given was tongues, but they not most likely in that moment if they were to walk into that situation, would they most likely just run out the door? It's the least of the gifts, yes, according to Paul, but let's not avoid the elephant in the room. It's probably the strangest of gifts as well. It's probably the weirdest of gifts. And that doesn't mean we make jokes about it or look down on it as a gift, but it does mean we be very careful in terms of how it is we use this gift. If we have this gift in the first place, because not everyone has a gift of tongues. So we use this gift with pastoral care, pastoral sensitivity, aware of who it is that's around us, always wanting others to understand and always wanting others to be built up in the faith. So God has a place in the church for this gift and its purpose is in order that we might be built up. And the only way that will ever happen is if we listen to exactly how it is we should practice it according to the word of God. We do not choose to practice or not practice this gift in the church according to our past tradition or our bad or good experiences or what we feel is right for us in the moment. That's not, that doesn't determine whether or not we practice this gift. We choose to practice this gift according to what the Bible clearly says. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 are such important passages in our understanding of the gift of tongues as well as the gift of prophecy and all of the gifts that God has given to us. 
So I feel like I've just, just <laughs> but it's, it's important we do have a firm grasp of 1 Corinthians 14 and verses 1 to 19. Next week, we're going to spend time just looking at the practicalities of that and the impact in particular prophecy can have on the life of a non-believer. Let me just ask as we close, let me just ask three questions this morning. First question is this. Uh, do I carry any incorrect assumptions, fears, or bad experiences about the gift of tongues and prophecy? So we can perhaps tell some pretty crazy stories about these gifts. I'm pretty sure if you've been in a church setting for a period of time, you can probably think of some bad examples of either one or both of these gifts. We can also probably have a feeling about these gifts and about our role. And we maybe have a wrong understanding about the role of these gifts in terms of our interpretation of Scripture. So we need to take all of that, all of that, and just match it up with what God's Word says. And we need to live in light of God's Word and not in, bring our own interpretation into Scripture. So, as you think about question one, recognize the absolute necessity of God's Word to help you in answering that question. Second question, how earnest am I to pursue all of the spiritual gifts and especially the gift of prophecy? So I challenge for you, how often do you pray and ask that you would be granted the spiritual gifts that God has for you and especially that you may prophesy? So clear from what Paul says, both in this passage and elsewhere. Extent, are you open to receiving? Because something I'm constantly aware of is the fact that I can pray but still have my hands closed not really wanting to receive what it is I'm praying for. And how stupid is that? Like I do that all the time. I ask God for something, but I don't really want it to happen. So we need to pray with expectant hearts and believing that God is going to receive. God, God is going to give us what we ask for. And God is going to equip us in various ways. So let's pray with open hands. And the third question, to what extent do I seek to be someone who builds up others in the church. And this is the most important question. It's the most important. This is the end goal of Denison Baptist Church, that we build one another up as an act of worship to God. We love God and love other people by building them up. If we're not building others up in the church, we do not understand God ourselves and other people. This is the test. This is the DBC test. Are we living in the plan and purpose of God? Well, the other question we ask is, are we building one another up? Are we looking to encourage and equip people in the mission? If we're not doing that, then we're living contrary to God's will, God's plan and purpose for this church. Does that make sense, guys? Uh, as we close, we just want to create some space uh, for you to respond in prayer this morning. Because, as I said a few weeks back, what is the point in hearing all of this and not responding in prayer? And I would say if you have yet to make that step of putting Jesus first in your life, whether you're here or watching online, then do speak to someone you know who loves the Lord. Speak to myself or Paul or TJ. We would count it a privilege to pray with you and to pray for you. We honestly believe the most important decision you will ever make is the decision to make Jesus Lord. And it's no guarantee of an easy life but it's a guarantee of a purpose-filled life, a life full of joy and peace and hope in the midst of the challenges that we all face from time to time. 
Uh, maybe you would like prayer for a situation. Um, if you need God's strength in the midst of what it is you're facing right now, then do speak to us. As we're having tea and coffee, there's space at different places in this building. It's not the biggest building in the world, but there is space at, in different locations, and we can pray for you and trust that God will give you the strength in the midst of what you're facing. And we also invite you this morning to receive prayer for healing. We believe in a God who can heal and a God who does heal. So if anyone here this morning, anyone watching online has an illness or ailment or pain, however big or small it might be, do let us know. Do have the courage to speak to us. And we will pray for you. And we will pray and trust that God has the very best for you. And maybe you'd like prayer to know and understand the gifts better. Maybe you would like to, to have a clearer picture of the particular gift or gifts that God has for you in your life. Again, do speak to us, do connect with us. As we respond in these various ways, we also come to the table. And as we come to the table, we recognize that any gift that we receive is in light of what this table symbolizes. Jesus is the one who lived amongst us, who died for us, who rose from the dead, who gifted us his Holy Spirit. And through his Holy Spirit, we can experience abundant life and we can receive the gifts that he has for us so that we might fulfill the mission that he has called us to. It was on the night in which he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. So as we take this bread and as we drink this cup, we recognize that it is not about us. Any display of a gift is not pointing people towards us. It's pointing people towards Jesus and the truth of the gospel. And I want us to really hold on to that because that is a source of our unity. If we don't have that, we don't have unity. So let that be our focus this morning as we now respond and worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you and we do thank you for what you're doing in this church. Uh, we thank you that that you are working in clear and obvious ways. And Lord, we just want to, to recognize that and we just want to give you all the praise and glory. And we pray that in the power of your spirit that we would have open hearts and open minds to what your word says. We would not be informed by our past experience or by our tradition uh, or by our negative or, or positive understandings of any particular gift, but we would choose to submit and surrender to your word and then live accordingly. And we thank you that you are a generous God who wants to bless us today. You want us to understand the gifts in a better way. And we pray, Lord, that we would respond and ask in faith, but we would ask in faith with open hands. And so would you grant us all that you'd want to give us? We love you, Lord. We pray that you bless us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.